Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Isn't it good to wake up on a Sunday morning and get ready to go to church? Something good happens every time we gather together in church. Amen. Impossibilities can become possible. Can you say amen? Impossibilities can become possible. Do we believe that? Amen. We believe that bodies can be healed. That God is still a God of miracles. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Gerard, for the invitation to share the word with your congregation this morning. And I pray, as always, that you will be blessed by the word of God. My only desire is to share what God would have me to share. I could preach a hundred different sermons, but I want to preach what God would have me to say. Amen. Uh, If you remember in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, this is not my message, but I just want to share this, that to the seven churches there in Revelations 2 and 3, seven times we read the, the words in a verse, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And I believe we're living in a time right now where the Spirit is saying something to the church. Notice that it doesn't say, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the world. Seven times, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God is speaking. God is saying something today. And we need to open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen? And then... It is our responsibility to say something to the world. So the Holy Spirit says something to us, and then we say something to the world. And my, does the world need to hear the gospel, amen? The world needs to hear some good news. And I, and studying this and just praying about this and everything that's going on in the last nearly two years now, I believe with all of my heart, without a shadow of a doubt, That God is not dealing with the world, he's dealing with the church. He's speaking to the church. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I believe there's two two thoughts or two words that the Spirit is saying to the church. Very simple. Wake up. Wake up and speak up. When you, when you just bring it down, and if you read the, the seven churches there, you know, you've left your first love. You're lukewarm. And, and just a continual coming back. And I believe in the nutshell, the Lord is saying to the church in the whole world, wake up and speak up. Amen? And so may we allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. I, I praise God for the Spirit of God moving in this place. Amen? I thank God for churches with a spirit is given freedom to move. It's his church anyway, isn't it? He should be able to move as he wishes. Somebody said a few weeks ago, I don't think the the Holy Spirit goes into the green room before a service and and just checks the agenda, amen? And says, I'll follow your agenda, amen? We need to follow his agenda. And his agenda is always to do something good, always to heal, to, to deliver, to save, and to set the captives free. Amen. Well, having said that, let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis, chapter 22, and we're going to share the word for a few minutes this morning, and I pray that you are ready to hear what the Spirit has to say, and that you will get involved in the message by saying, Amen, by saying, Preach it, brother, by saying, Give it to me, Amen, bring it on. I was preaching in Los Angeles once, and uh, I love preaching in African-American churches because, I mean, they, you'll have to really preach loud to get over them because they're just, and, then I, and they just say different things that we say here in Australia. You know, come on now, you know, they, hit me with it, bring it on. They just say so many, but they get involved, which is good, amen? We can just say amen or say, say oh no or, or my or that hurt, you know, something like that. Just say something, amen. Well, a little grunt. <clears throat> Praise God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to verse 8. The word of the Lord says the following. And it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. Now, some versions might say tempt, but the right word is test. God did test Abraham. 
And he said unto him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into Moriah, and offer him up for a burnt offering upon the mountains which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood of the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his voice and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, abide you here with the donkeys and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said to his son, God will provide. Himself a lamb for a burnt offering, so they went both of them together. Now you can read the whole chapter when you get home. It's a powerful chapter of what happens on Mount Moriah, and uh, where Abraham receives a revelation of God as Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. And so I want to talk about this a little bit the exchange that happens on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is a place of exchange. And it is a place where every believer, every church would have to go at some time in their walk of faith to Mount Moriah. If you read there in, in verse 2, God says to him, get thee to Moriah. Get thee to Moriah. Go to Moriah. There are times in our life when God says, go to Moriah. Get thee to Moriah. And if, if you want to go far in the things of God, if you want to experience the greater things of God and you want to attain the promises of God, you're going to understand that God will test us. God will take us on a journey where he will process us, amen, and develop us and get us ready for where he is taking us. And the quicker we understand that God is a God that tests us on purpose and that he sends us to Moriah with a purpose, the less frustrated we will be as Christians and as faith people when we find ourselves in, a mid, in the midst of a test. When we find ourselves in the midst of a battle. When we, when we find ourselves being processed by God we will actually welcome it and we will understand this is part of the process. The Christian life, the faith life, is not just a life of up, up, up. It's a life of up and down. Joy and sorrow. Need and abundance. And it's not something foreign or it should not cause us to question ourselves or our faith when we go through the valley. It's part of the process. Amen. And, and I think too, too many times in Christianity, in, in Christian circles, we try to make the Christian life out to be like a fantasy life. Fantasy land. So that if you go through a test, if you go through a problem, if you're going through a season of, of, of apparent failure and where, where you don't understand what's going on, it's like, my, I might not have faith. When in reality, you, you have faith. And God is developing that faith in order to make it stronger so he can take you higher. Amen. And, and so people are frustrated when they go through seasons of tests because they think, am I doing something wrong? Am I, am I, uh, am I not in the faith? Am I sinning? And so it takes away the frustration when you understand, no, this is part of the process and God does this on purpose. See, Abraham, who is the father of faith, the father of faith with such tremendous promises on his life, it says in verse 1 that God did test him. God did test Abraham. If you read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, 
offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. So Abraham, the father of faith, the one full of promises, greatness, the Bible says he was tried by God. Now the word tried means in the original to be examined, to be scrutinized, to be proved. Now, now listen to this, to be put on trial. So God puts us on trial many times. And it's not that he puts us personally, he puts our faith on trial. You can read this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Look what it says. Wherein you greatly rejoice, rejoice, though now for a season. Everybody say season. The word season is a time frame. There will be, time, there will be a time frame in our life for a season that if need be, look what it says, you are in heaviness. You are in heaviness, and, and I love how he starts, that you may greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, it's just for a season, it's a time frame that you are in heaviness through manifold tests. Now that word manifold could have been written a little bit better, many types of tests. Have you found yourself in that place before? Just left, right and center and behind you. Many types of tests, many types of battles, much pressure, heaviness, heaviness. Rejoice because God's taken you to Moriah. We're going to see what Moriah is and how, how important it is on your journey. For a season, that's why I said before, the Christian life is, is a, sometimes it's good times and then it's sometimes bad times. It's sometimes everything you touch turns to gold and sometimes everything you touch is destroyed. But that's the journey. That's the, that's the process. The Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you're going somewhere, beloved brother, beloved sister. Church, you're going somewhere. And sometimes we go through seasons where everything is good. And sometimes we go through seasons of many types of tests. Many types of pressure. Why? So why do we go through this? Because God is trying to hurt us? No, God is trying to help us. Because he sees what's on the inside of you. He knows the promises that he's given to you. He's heard the prophetic words that have been released over your life. He knows your dreams. He knows your plans. He knows what's burning on the inside of you. And in order to get you there, he has to develop you. He has to process you. He has to get you ready. It's a test. Everybody say test. Well, then think about this. You don't go from grade, grade one and skip over to grade six. In life, every grade has a, at the end of the year, and what's that test for? That test does a number of things. That test reveals what we have learned, what we know, amen, and it reveals, this is the most important one, are we ready to go to grade two? Why would I want to go to grade two if I can't pass the test in grade one? And so there are many that are in grade one in spirit and they want grade six. And God says, you're not ready yet. Pass this test. And the greater the promise, the greater the dream or the greater that the, the prophetic word or, or, or the greater the purpose, I believe the greater the test, the greater the battle that we go through. It's God's mercy preparing us for where he's taking us. Can you say amen? So it says here that the trial of your faith, your faith is on trial being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it might be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of 
Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the trial of your faith. Don't think it's something foreign. So God says to Abraham, I'm going to test you. And what does he do? He says, take your son, Isaac. Everybody say, Isaac. Who knows what Isaac means? Isaac means joy, laughter. And God has a sense of humor. Take that thing which gives you joy. Take that thing which makes you laugh. Take that thing that has all your attention. Amen. And offer it up to me. Get thee to Moriah. Wow. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, and Abraham arose up early in the morning and saddled his, his donkey and took of his young men two and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his voice and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with the donkey and I and the land will go yonder and worship. Now that's another thing there is. Sometimes the, the tests and the trials, the heaviness that we find ourselves in, sometimes it's, it's a lonely journey. Sometimes we've got to work it out. Notice that Abraham left the two men and said, now, it's, now we've got to continue this journey. Now we've got to continue this journey. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you and your wife. Sometimes it's you and your family going through a season of heaviness going through a season of tests and trials, going through a season where, where from all angles the enemy is coming against you, from all angles the things, are not, things are not working out. And that's when you, where you question God and, and that's where it seems like no one's around to help you because God is dealing with you. Maybe this morning there are many that just have silent, silent battles. No one knows about it. It's a journey sometimes on your own. I know in the ministry, in the ministry, the, the journey is, is a lonely one. It's you, it's your wife, it's your children. And nobody knows about it sometimes. But God is developing you. God is training you. There are things that God wants to do with you that he does not want to do with somebody else. It's you that he wants. Amen. And sometimes we've got to be willing to let go of people and get a hold of God. Sometimes we've got to be willing to let go of connections that might be holding us down to connect to God and to connect to the right people. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you say amen, church? Then he says there that he went to Moriah. Now, this is what I wanted to look at this morning. Moriah. Moriah, the word Moriah literally means a place of worship a teaching place, a place of divine providence, a place of sacrifice, a place of getting a new vision. The tests, the battle, the challenge that you're up against right now taking you, will take you to Moriah, amen, a place of divine exchange. He will turn your sorrow into joy. He will turn your pain into gain. He will turn your famine into abundance. And he will turn your test into a testimony on the Mount Moriah. Moriah, I want to say that again. Moriah is a place of true worship. I love what he said. You stay here. I and the lad will go yonder. See, we will go, we will go beyond we're going to go further than our own strength. We're going to go to a place that's further than what we can see. We're going further in the things of God. Amen. And we will worship. He calls his tests. He calls his sacrifice worship. We need to learn to turn our tests into worship. Moriah is a place of true worship. See, this is not for everyone, but this is for someone. These, this is for those that want to go hard after God. This is for those that believe God has called them, that God has a purpose on their life, that God has anointed them. This is for the church that's willing to go deeper and higher and greater in the things of God. 
there's, there's, there's churches right now that God has sent them to Moriah. I, I, I believe even that there are, there are families all over the land, believers that are going through their greatest time of test, greatest time of battles, and many are throwing in the towel. Many are running away from God. Many are running away from the church. Many are, are, are turning to the, the, what the world has to offer. Many, many have switched off their spirit life because they did not understand the test. And they're not willing to go to Moriah. They're not willing to give up what gives them joy. I believe God is dealing in this country, in this nation, even with the church, with what gives us joy. There is, there's, there's so much in Western culture, materialism. Materialism. And when we talk about the church, entertainment. And I love what the pastor was saying before, that we get so consumed with our buildings. We get so consumed with our awesome praise and worship. And I thank God for music. But we get so consumed with the exterior of church life, with the building, instead of the God of the building. And these things give us joy. It gives us joy. The ministry, the joy. The building gives us joy. The music gives us joy. The, 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 the exterior of church life, it's, it gives us joy. And it's like in, in one and a half years, God is trying to strip that away. God is saying, I want you. I don't want a building. I... I Hear my heart this morning. This is a prophetic word, even for this church, that it's time to go to Moriah. It's time to give to God that which gives us joy, that which satisfies us, that which makes us feel content. And it's not that God wants to take it away from us, because we see what he did with Isaac, but God does want to know, are we first in, his, in our life? Is he first in our life? Do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and believe that all the other things shall be added unto us? He's a zealous God. He's a jealous God. He wants everything. He wants everything. He wants all of us. He wants, he wants to be the one that gives us joy. That if we don't have a building, we can still have church. Hallelujah. That if we don't have music, we can still worship. Come on. I was, I was uh, I'm in contact with the pastor from Pakistan. He, he contacted me. He, he knew, my, he knew my, my father, my brothers. And he contacted me. He said, Pastor, I need help. Is there some way you can sort of mentor me and help me and, 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 and uh, give me direction? And, and he also said, could we help him financially? And I said, our church will help you. Because, and and I, I did some research. Because I don't know if Pastor Gerard gets a lot of messages, but I get a lot of messages from Africa, India. You know, send me a monthly offering, Pastor. And, and then you find out they're not even pastors, you know. They, they, they're putting photos of somebody else's orphanage. And so I did, and this guy's legitimate. And so last week he sends me a photo. He says, Pastor, we were attacked by Muslim zealots today. And he put photos of men with cuts to their head, cuts to their legs in the hospitals. And I thought, my. And then he says, and next week they opened up their little building, dirty little building, and people came. See, they could care less about what we so much love in this nation. They want the presence. They worship in the midst of their need, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their tests. They worship. They worship. What's, what, what, what has caused you to, to what are you, well, let me say it another way. What, what are you attached to? The church of Ephesus. Great. You're a great church. Great. Uh, things that you do, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. What do we love? Who do we love? What gives us joy? Does coming to the house of God give us joy? Does worship give us joy? Does praising the King of kings and Lord of lords give us joy? If it doesn't, and there's some things that God needs to deal with in our life. So he sends us to Mara. I believe the church in this nation is on its road 
to Mara, to Mariah, to Mariah. Amen. I was just the, the, thinking about when the people of Israel, they come out of, out of the Red Sea and they're singing and they're dancing and the ladies are going around, 3,000 ladies with their cymbals and they're, they're charismatic Pentecostals. They're going all, and they're having a ball of a time. And then three days later, they arrive at the waters of Mara. And immediately they start to bicker and to argue and to, and to question and to, you know, tell Moses, why did you bring us out here? God's saying, hey, I opened the Red Sea. I can surely make these waters sweet. It's not about the water. It's about you. You still have a stinking attitude. You still don't believe that I'm powerful. You still have a problem. I'm proving you. See, the God's not getting you. He's not getting the promise ready for you. He's getting you ready for the promise. He's not getting the promise ready for you. He's getting you ready for the He's, he's, he's like, like for the 10th time, he's grade one test. Can you pass it, please? No. When we have problems, oh, I'm not going to church anymore. That's when you've got to worship. You're going to, Mor- to, 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 to uh, Moriah. You're going to Moriah. And at Moriah, there's a divine exchange. At Moriah, miracles happen. At Moriah, you find out who God is and you find out who you are. At Moriah, you come out with a greater vision. Come on, church. At Moriah, you come out really knowing how to worship. We will go yonder. We will go beyond. We will go past our programs. We will go past our religiosity and we will worship in sacrifice. The, the moment in your life that you felt closest to God, was it on the mountaintop or in the valley? When, when was your worship really meaningful? When was your praise really deep? It's in moments when you're being buffeted. Amen. When you come to church and I need you, God. And you get a depth. You get a real sense of his presence. Can somebody say amen? And, you know, because today what we have is a lot of convenience worship. You know, convenience worship. We have a lot of entertainment worship. We worship, we think entertainment is the anointing. We think entertainment is worship. We have a lot of entertainment worship. We have a lot of emotional worship. If I feel like it, I will. How about when you don't feel like it? That's worship. I believe God is stripping it all back. And he's saying, go to Moriah and worship in the midst of your manifold tests. In the midst of the many trials you're going through. In the midst of of bad news in your home. In the midst of your marriage on the brink of, of uh, leaving each other. In the midst of that saying, let's go to Moriah. Let's get before God. Let's sacrifice. Let's worship. Let's put on the altar that which, which gives us joy. Let's put on the altar our marriage. Let's put on the altar our children. Let's put on the altar our business. Let's put on the altar anything that could be put in a higher place than God. And let's worship. Let's worship. Amen. Divine exchange. Transition. Encounter. On Moriah was built the temple of Solomon. Encounter. Encounter. The altar that you built at Moriah is a precious altar. Surrender. Moriah is a place of surrender. Total surrender. A place of exchange. Do you feel like you're being examined this morning, scrutinized? Do you feel like you're being proved? Do you feel like you're on trial and God is testing where you're gauging where your faith is? Because it's easy to tell God, God, I love you when everything's going well. But when things are not going well, that's when we've got to say, I love you, God. 
It's easy to love everybody when everybody loves you. But it's harder to love those that don't love you. And that's when you're going to say, God, help me to love the unlovable. Help me, Lord. Do you remember, if I go, I want to go there quickly in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Verse, actually, verse 19. This is a very, very interesting chapter in the Bible where David is praying for his baby boy. The boy is sick, and he's praying, and he's fasting, and he's asking God to heal his son, but the son dies. The son dies. Now look what happens in verse 19. When David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, he is. Now look what David does in verse 20. I mean, that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Your child has died. You've been praying for him. You've been fasting for his, for his healing. But he is dead. I mean, that's enough to hit you into a depression. That's enough for you to question God. That's enough for you to throw in the towel. But look at this revelation here. He, he, he's, he's going to Moriah. He's going to Moriah. He's being tested. Look at verse 20. Then David arose from the earth and washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he came to the house of the Lord. Where was the house of the Lord? Moriah and, come on, say it, church, and worshipped. He came to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then they came, then came to his house, and he required that they set bread before him, and he did eat. Now look at verse 21. These are what people will say to you when you can worship in the midst of your tests and your trials, understanding that there's a divine exchange. Then he, he said, servants unto him, what thing is this that you do? You did fast and weep for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you did rise up, eat, and eat bread. Verse 22. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back to me? I shall return to him, but he shall not return to me. So David got a revelation from God when he heard of the news of his son. His son had died. And, and the grief that he had, the grief that he had, which I want to make clear that we do not underestimate the grief. We don't underestimate the emotional feelings that we have. But we do understand that God is all-powerful. That God can turn our sorrow into joy. That God can turn our mourning into dancing. And that he can sustain us through that time of tests. That he can sustain us through that time of grief. And that he can bring us through with a transaction, with a transition, with an exchange. Amen. Where he gives us more of his glory, more of his power, more of his presence. It says, then David arose from the earth. The earth. The earth talks about humanism, human endeavors, flesh. When you go through tests, when you go through battles, when you go through seasons where it's hard, you cannot rely on the earth. You cannot rely on flesh. Not, you cannot rely on human endeavors. There are just some things that man and human endeavors will not be able to do in your life that only God can do. He got up from the earth. And I love what it says there. He washed. He washed himself. Hallelujah. That's talking about the Word of God. It's like water that washes us. God's Word. Stay in God's Word. Stay in God's Word until God's Word is living on the inside of you. Wash yourself. It's not a time to leave the ways of God. It's not a time to walk back. It's not a time... 
to go after the things of this world. Oh, I'm going to go and drink. I'm going to go and, and just, I'm going to go and shoot up. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and party with my friends because God, God has left me anyway. No, God is closer than you think. Hallelujah. Wash away that, wash away that thought with the Word of God. He got, get up from the earth. Get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into you. Hallelujah. Get a hold of God until God's Word gets a hold of you. Because He's going to see you through. He's not a man that He should lie. That if He promised it, He will do it. Amen. Am I shouting? Hallelujah. I made it calm down. Calm. This Latino preacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any, any Latinos here? No? Any Spanish people? No? Okay. This is Kabulcha. Amen. <laughs> I'm from the south side. I mean, they say Logan City has over 220 different nationalities. And I was saying to, uh, to my brother here, Ben, uh, that's why there's been cases of corona over there because people are rebellious over there. Hallelujah. <laughs> They don't listen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. And he washed and he anointed himself. That's the anointing. That's the anointing. That's the power of God. The anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. The anointing. We need the anointing, church. We need the power of God, church. Come on. Hallelujah. The an he anointed himself and he changed his clothes. He changed his clothes. He put on the right clothes. He put on the clothes, amen, of praise, the garment of praise. And I love this. And he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. He went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Why? Because in his presence is where we find joy. In his presence is where we find restoration. In his presence is where we can find the miracles of God. In his presence. This speaks so clearly to me on April the 23rd of this year. My father, who was only 68 years old, pastoring a church in Brisbane, a Spanish church in Brisbane for the last 40 years a pioneer of the Spanish movement in Australia, 68 years old, full of vision, full of life, suddenly passed away. He went in on a Wednesday morning for a, just a simple procedure. of an, They did an endoscopy on him because my father was on his second kidney transplant. So he had a kidney transplant there when he was in his 30s. It lasted him 10 years, that first kidney transplant. Then 10 years later, that kidney that was transplanted was, died. And then he received another kidney. And that kidney lasted him about 23 years until he passed away. And so he had to go and do some tests every now and then. And they were just checking some things in his liver. And he goes in on a Wednesday morning, healthy, full of life full of vision, wanting to do great things, still young, 68 years old. And he goes to do this endoscopy. He comes out of it. He goes home. He's feeling okay. But the next day, he's not able to go to the toilet to pass urine. And he's starting to swell up here. This, is the, uh, this was Thursday. So this was on the Wednesday morning, Thursday, 12 o'clock at night. He says to my mom, I need to go to the hospital because that's crucial. If you, if you cannot pass urine with a kidney transplant, you'll you start to poison himself. Take me to the hospital quickly. And so they go to the hospital. My sister sends me a message around 1 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Dad's gone to the hospital. Let's be praying. And I felt something funny here. I thought, oh, something's not right. I just felt it. And in my bed, I just come tears. I just, Lord, I don't want my dad to go. Lord, I, just, I don't know why I was even praying like that. Then the next morning around 10 o'clock, I went to the hospital with my wife and my brothers. I got two brothers and a sister. They were all there. And we all went in to see him. He was still, he was talking and lucid. And the, the, the prognosis was that, you know, his, his, his uh, pancreas had erupted a little bit, but they, went, they were going to get it under control. When I went in there, I saw his face and I just sensed that something was not right. And I saw his belly was like this and hard as a rock. 
and I touched and I prayed for him. And I walked away and I said to my wife, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. And so the doctor said, look, we're going to get this under control and, and you know, come back tonight and, and we'll uh, hopefully have good news. So we all left excited that we'll come back in the evening and you know, the, the, swell, the, the stomach that's swollen will, get, will be better. The medicine was going to have an effect. And so I wasn't even going to go in that Friday night. I thought, you know, my brothers are going, my mom's going, they call me, they say, he's well, I'll go tomorrow morning. So I was at my church doing the, I was passing the vac, you know, vacuum in the church because it was a little bit dirty. So there's the pastor of the church vacuuming the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Just like Pastor Gerard does. Amen. He passes vac- vacuuming. Amen. Vac- we've got to do everything. There's sometimes we've got to do everything. Amen. Vacuuming. While I'm vacuuming, I'm praying for my dad. I'm saying, God, heal my dad. I still need him around. He's still young, 68 years old. He's got so much vision. And I'm passing the vacuum around, and I get a call. And when I get that call, I go, oh, okay, this is about 7 o'clock at night. So, and it's my sister-in-law, and she's crying. She says, you need to get to the hospital immediately because they're taking your father in. They believe that part of his gut is dead completely, and it's getting worse. And they're going to take him in for an operation and they don't know if he'll come out like that. So you need to come quickly so you can see he was already under sedation, you know, and I was just coming, you can chat in his ear and see him because they don't think this isn't going to be anything positive. So I get in the car, I drive, I pick up my wife and we go to the hospital, to the PA hospital. And I go in, run in and he's there and I'm I'm speaking to his ear. And so you start doing everything you know to do. Everything I've preached, everything I've taught. So I, I go into faith motion. I start speaking life. I start praying the prayer of faith. I start decreeing. I start declaring. I start, I start using all the things that I've taught and everything that I know about, about faith. I'm commanding. I'm decreeing. I'm prophesying. I'm calling. I'm rebuking. I'm binding and I'm loosing. Just doing everything you can, you know, that comes to your mind. Speaking into his ear. And we need you. There's still much more for you to do on this earth. And so the doctor said, we think part of the stomach is, 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 is dead. We'll cut it out. And he should be able to recover. So we, all my family, we go into little, the visitor's area, have a coffee. My brothers, and they said that the, the operation will last about three to four hours. My brothers and my sister, they all went downstairs to go and grab a coffee. I'm with my mum. Not even one hour into the operation, the head doctor comes in, and I see his face. I see his face. He says, I need to talk to all of you. Where's everyone else? They've gone to get coffee. No, I need to talk to all of you. And he says, I'll wait for you over there. And I turned to my mum, and I said, Mum, this is not good news. This is not good news. And she starts crying, and she starts saying, don't say that to me. I said, no, mum. Get ready. This is not going to be good news. I saw his face. We're going to have to get ready for what he's going to say. And he takes us in and he says, we've opened your dad up. His gut is completely dead. And then he says this, and he will die tonight. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the hope. And you can imagine the shock. And so we, we, all we could do is let's go in there and pray. And about one and a half hours later, he went to be with the Lord. How in two days, everything changed. And on the Saturday morning, I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm, I didn't hardly sleep. And I said, God, God, what do I do? We've got church tomorrow. And I opened up to this passage right here. I thought, maybe I don't go to church. And then I opened up to this passage. And I said, I will go to the house of the Lord and worship. I will go to the house of the Lord and worship. Hallelujah. And, I, and, and receive that divine exchange that comes from God. And I'm going to tell you, beloved brother, that's meaningful worship right there. That is worship right there. That is 
sensing the presence of God right there. That is God giving you hope and God giving you of His rest and God giving you His vision. That is God making you greater. That is God developing you. That is God causing you to have a faith that you cannot get in a Bible college. It comes from God. And I remember I worshipped in the midst of my pain. I was in the shower that morning crying, bawling my eyes out like I cried like I never cried before. Those of you that have lost, that's the first person that I've lost so close to me. It was coming out from here and I thought, God, how am I going to do it? How am I going to go to church this morning? How am I going to preach? Because I'm going to preach. You know, like, you know, you're not, hey, I'm going to preach. But how? And I remember worshipping. And something comes on you, brother. Something comes on you, sister, that can only come from God and can only come on Mount Moriah. When you hand to God everything, you say, God, I don't understand it because you don't, you don't have to understand it. You just need to believe and say, God, you are the God of the good times and you are still God in the bad times. Teach me what all this is about. Bring me out greater. Bring me out stronger. Bring me out with divine teaching. Bring me out with divine revelation. Bring me out of this. And he does. All I can say is I don't know how the world does it when somebody passes away. How beautiful it is to be able to come to God in the times of our life when we are broken, when we are hurting, when we're, again, stay here, this is my journey. No one can understand my pain. No one can understand my sorrow. My wife had a miscarriage, our first baby, quite a, three or four months in on a Friday, on, on a Saturday, on a Saturday, and on the Sunday, all I could do is, I've got to go to the house of the Lord. My son, my, my third son, uh, so, yeah, my third son, Caleb, 12 years old, about four years ago, I was on my way to preach in Sydney with my whole family to preach a series of, of meetings, big meetings, big evangelistic services with many churches. And I was pumped and ready. We drove there. And we stopped, one we stopped on the way there, 4 a.m. in the morning to have a little nap. And that morning, all hell broke loose. Why am I saying this to you? Because I want you to know that this is the journey, church. God takes you to, if you want God to use you in this nation, if you want God to use you in your community, if you want God to use this church, you're going to have to go to Moriah. Some of the greatest revelation has come out of pain. And while I'm sleeping at the front, my son starts kicking my chair from where he was sleeping. And he starts, and I look back, and he's convulsing. He's convulsing. First time I ever saw that. And he was having an epileptic attack, a seizure. Took him out, put him, what's going on? I thought, we took him to the, everything changed. Everything changed. We had to call the ambulance. We didn't know where we were. Then my son, my older son, who's 21 nearly, he's so smart. He was able to find out where we were. Some about the longitude and all. I don't know how he does it. And he knew where we were and he told the ambulance. We were out, whoop, whoop. The ambulance got there. We're driving back, I think it was to Gimpy. Back to Gimpy. Sydney's that way. We're going back to Gimpy. And on the way there, in the ambulance, we're driving behind the ambulance. And the ambulance stops. And I almost crash into the ambulance because I'm going 100, 100 kilometers an hour. So is the ambulance. But he stops. I stop behind. And I go, why is he stopping? And I go, he, that, and the, the, the nurse opens the, the door of the ambulance, and my son is, look, and his lips are blue, and he's having a, a huge seizure. And I look at him, I say, what's going on? What's happening? We're going to preach the gospel. And all hell is broken loose. And, I'm, and, and, and all I can do there is say to my, my children are crying. The other one said, hey, we ought to pray. We've got to pray. God is still God. God will get the glory out of this. And we went through a, through a season of two years where my son, Caleb, 
suffered with these seizures. And it was always at night time when he's trying to fall asleep. And do you know when it would happen most of the times? On a Saturday night. Most of the time, there would be an ambulance at our house on a Saturday night, the night before we go to go to church Sunday morning to preach faith. And I would walk into the church and no one would know that my wife and myself had had a night where we had to believe God and then preach like nothing is wrong. Preach faith. Lay hands on people for their healing while we're going through the battle of our life. Thank God he's come through that. He hasn't had one for a very, very, very long time. Hallelujah. God has healed him. Hallelujah. I believe that. But do you know what I want to say? In those two years, I discovered God in a greater way. In those two years, worship has become more meaningful. That, that, that morning when I went to church, my father passed away. I, I received greater revelation in God's word when it comes to pain. And hurt. But on the other side, God reveals himself in a way like you would never know if you were never put to the test. And it's good because then you can say, well, I'm not where I really think I am. I've got a long way to go. And you said, yeah, and I want to preach to the nations. No, I'm finding it hard to preach to my neighbor. So maybe God still has to do a work in me. There's a pastor that says, I want to pastor a church of a thousand people. And with a hundred people, we're battling and we, we, we want to throw in the towel. And God says, not yet. Stay on the journey. Go to Moriah. But the good thing is that Moriah, there's a divine exchange. And when Abraham passed the test, musicians and singers, you can come up. I think, what time is it? I'm going past my time. Musicians and singers can come up, please. The good thing is when Abraham passed the test, you can read it when you get home. God says to him, now I know. Now I know that I'm everything to you. And then he says, now let me tell you, as the stars of the sky shall be your descendants, as the sand on the seashore shall be your inheritance. Look at this vision. So he came out of Moriah with a tremendous vision of what God was going to do in his life. I hope this helped you a little bit this morning. Amen. That if you're going through a test, if you're going through a series of trials, turn your test into worship. And you watch the divine exchange that God gives to you. Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. God is still on his throne. God is a God of miracles. Let's all stand up this morning. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Raise your hands to the heavens all over this place. There's churches that have gone through problems. They've gone through divisions. They've gone through battles. But God's bringing them through. God's bringing them through.